feel like the Lord is really, really leading me into this word because um, we're supposed to do something with it today. Anniversary service, celebration, plans, stages, all the changes that you make to try to celebrate something is one thing, but to, sorry, man, I hope that's not expensive. Um, um, <laughs> I'm serious. Like we didn't start this church to entertain people and we didn't start this church to be like everybody else and do everything like every, we started a church because we wanted to follow and be obedient to God and that's it. Amen. And so I just know that this is the anthem for our church that we were just singing. And so I want to share what God wants to share. And then I want us to sing this song out as like an acceptance to God that like, God, you're the breath in our lungs this year to in the third year of our church. Like, so we'll get back to that in a minute, but here's what I want to share. And I may have to jump around a little bit, but here's what I believe. I believe that God has given me and this church and really just Christians a word for 2016, that's this. God is a God who is going to exceed your need in 2016. He's going, okay, so we get excited about that and every pastor preaches that and it's really popular at the beginning of the year. In 2016, gonna be the thing of the thing. But what we have to do is we have to kind of get away from like the flash and flare of that. And then we have to go pick up our sword and pick up our shield and say, okay, God, I'm gonna use my faith this year to believe that you're gonna be a God who exceeds my needs. So put me in a situation where I can operate in a way that I need you to exceed. I need you to exceed a situation. I need you to exceed what's going on in my life. Somebody say amen. And so uh, I literally, on my heart for this year in 2016, God wants to exceed our needs. He wants to do more than what it takes to get by. We're real good at like, God, just meet the need. But God's like, no, I'm a God who wants to exceed your need. And in 2016, he's exceeded the year. There's literally an extra day in the year. That's how serious he is about you realizing that I can do more. I thought about our legacy offering. Check this out. We wanted to raise $15,000 for the whole plan. And most of y'all know this. And then last year or last week, we gave a report that we were at 50,000. Well, I need to correct that because some people couldn't get their stuff in in time at the end of the year. So we ended the whole legacy offering at over $60,000. Now listen, our goal was for $15,000 for what we feel God's called us to do. And he did that every week. He exceeded our needs. Somebody say amen. And so God is trying to get you to realize, and I'm not talking about God wants to bless you and give you a Lamborghini and a private jet so you don't have to. I'm talking about God wants to, in our community, exceed the needs of people so that he can have his love on display. Not so we can be elite in airplanes, it's so that he can show his love on the earth, amen? So God is a God who exceeds our need. Our deal here in our third year, happy anniversary, by the way, in our third year, or birthday, I think it is, whatever we're calling it, but in this third year, you have a couple choices. You can be a person, there's three types of people here when you hear a word, about what God wants to do. There's three types of people. You sit here and you say, oh, he's saying God wants to exceed my need. You can be a person who's a skeptic and you're critical and you say, oh, I don't know about all that stuff. God's got a plan for me. I don't know. And then you'll miss it. Or you could be number two. You could be someone who's complacent about it. Like we're here on a Sunday. You say, yeah, that's good. God wants to exceed my need this year. I, I, I get, but then you don't do anything with it. You're gonna miss out as well. You're complacent about it. You don't take it serious. It's not a faith thing that you're putting in operation. Then you're gonna miss it. The third thing, and I hope this is all of you, is a person who is committed to it. 
somebody who is passionate about it, somebody who in their daily lives is consistent in receiving the word that God has for you this year. Amen. And so it comes down to this, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of the work that is in us, verse 21, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. When God exceeds our need, that lasts for generations. Somebody say amen. Why don't we put forth the effort and trust God and grind and put our hand to the plow and not look back? Because not only is it a blessing for you in your season, but it's a blessing for generations to come, amen? Don't you wanna store up in our community some godly heritage? So let's be a people who knows that God exceeds the need. Here's how we do it. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, faith is the confidence that we have what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. So to access what God has for us in 2016, it requires faith even when you can't see it. So it's one thing if I get up here and say it, but what are you going to do on Monday and Tuesday when you're saying, I got to access, God's going to exceed my need, but you, it's going to take faith. What it is, is faith in action is living hopeful for something you do not yet see. So God's got this word for you. God's got a great plan for you, for this church and for you. What do you do in it? You, you get faithful. You just fill yourself with faith and you start believing every day, even though you don't see it, because that's how faith works. Amen. It says in verse four, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's, uh, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval by, of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith in verse six. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. What do you do with faith? You just pursue God diligently. You seek him, you use your faith, you seek him, you use your faith. And what does it do? It gets God's attention. That's what the scripture's saying. Saying, use your faith, use your faith. Believe that God can do it. Believe that God can do it. Too often we come on a Sunday and we hear a thing and we say, well, that's kind of nice. But then on Monday, all the other days, you're talking about the negative side of it. I don't know if it can work. Well, then there's this and then this happened. Use your faith for something this year and watch God exceed your need because it can impact generations. I thought about this um, when we were getting ready to plant this church and we're talking about, you know, it's our two year. Uh, I remember just thinking like we went to our church planting uh, <coughs> seminar. They gave us this huge book. It was all the things that we needed to do. It was like, oh, you gotta get this ready and you gotta get this ready. And we weren't planted by another church. We didn't get money from another church. We didn't say like, oh, we're gonna take care of you. We literally came here by faith and planted this church with a great team that came alongside us and all that good stuff. But I remember looking at this book and just being like, man, like God, you see this book? Like we got a lot of stuff to do here. Like, I don't, how is this gonna happen? Like, I'm starting to really add it up. Like I got a little four month old girl. I don't have a job. I got, you're calling me to plant this. Like, how is this gonna work? Let's make some sense of this. And this is where he led me to Isaiah 40, 25. And some of you need to live in this scripture this year. Isaiah 40, 25, it says, to whom will you compare me? Who do you, who do you compare me to? Who can you even compare me to? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. So anytime that you're going, God, where are you? He's saying, look up to the heavens at who created all these. 
He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Every star you see, God puts in place and calls them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Verse 27, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? How many of us in our life go, God, look at the book, look at all the things this year, 2016, look at the debt, look at our marriage, look at the things, look at this, how? And God's response back to you is like, do you really understand who you're talking to? Who can you compare me to? Don't you understand that I can handle? Do you realize that I put that in place and that in place and I do all of these things happen by me? Why are you so quick to think God can't do it? My question to you in 2016 is, isn't it interesting that it's easier for us to believe that God can't do something than that he can? We almost use more faith saying, to ourselves, well, he can't do it because of this and he can't do it because of this. When are we gonna become a people that just go, if God can put that in place and that in place and that in place, surely he can do that, amen? 2016, God wants to exceed your need. He's not a get by God, like, oh, I'll give you just enough. He is a God who can exceed our need. The rest of the scripture, I thought about it like this. Uh, My perspective is my daughter is three and she's at that age where she's trying to do some things on her own. But then on the other hand, she still needs direction. So some sippy cup, she can put the cap on and take it off and do the things. Some other things she can't. But in the process of it, now just, just kind of track with me. Obviously, I'm talking about God the Father, but I want you to get the picture here. So there's certain things in her life that she's sitting here in her own way, under her own will, trying to tough this thing into place. And I'm over here as her father, like, hey, give it to me for a minute. I know how that goes. Let me, and she goes, no, you don't understand. I got to, and we have these little three-year-old arguments, right? And then then she spills it and then she makes a mess. And then what happens at the end? She finally gives it up to me to fix, right? I hope my prayer this for you this year is that you be a people who go, hey God, I don't want to try to press it on my own will. I want to go, God, I realize that you can exceed my need here in this situation. I'm not going to force it by my own hand, my own will, my own attitude. I'm going to be a person who just gives it over to you in the first place. Amen. Verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. God doesn't get tired and he knows a lot more than you. He sees a lot more than you. You can get tired, that's okay. Because when you're weak, he's strong. Let him stay strong and be a person who continues to submit things unto him. And it it follows that up. It says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How many want to be the latter part of that verse? Running and not growing weary, soaring and not faint. All of those kinds of things. If you want to be that, you got to be the top portion. You got to be a person who lets God be the strength. Amen. 2016, God wants to exceed your need. He wants to do more for you in your life. Not, not just so that, oh, look at, you know, all this, God's done this great. He wants to be on display for our communities. Not so that you can have nice stuff and look at how blessed I am. God's glory should be on display in our lives, amen? Throughout scripture, God is the God of more than enough. Jesus 
shows God's heart towards you. So whenever you want to know what God thinks about you, look how Jesus acted towards you. So when you look at the scripture of how he fed 5,000 families, scripture goes like this. Uh, they're there, he's teaching all day, and the disciples come to Jesus. We heard it a few weeks ago in our series. He comes to him and says, hey, you know, uh, everybody's hungry. And the one thing you notice in the scripture, it says that they had to feed 5,000 men and their families. So just thousands and thousands of people need to be fed. And there's one part where it says that all they had was the five loaves, the two fish. But before they get there, he says, well, here's what we, you know, the disciples that get together, they say, here's what we can do. We can get all our money together. We can get everybody together and we could go buy some stuff and we could get everything together. And it might be just enough for people to have a little bit. So God could have, Jesus could have gave him permission to do that. Yeah, go gather up everybody's stuff, go figure it out, and they can have enough just for everybody to have a little bit. But instead, the scripture says, they submitted what they had into the hands of God. And the follow-up after that was that the scripture says that they ate until they were filled. And then after they were filled, it says that they had some to take home. Why? Because God doesn't want to just get you by. He wants to exceed your need this year. Who's with me? Somebody say amen. And so he says, okay, you, you know, here's enough. Here's more than enough. He wants you to be filled. God doesn't want to meet your need. He wants you to be filled. That's why the scripture says, when we give, it shall be given unto us, pressed, stuffed, running over. It's this picture of how God just wants to make sure he exceeds what you need. You see in John chapter 21, Jesus is on the shore and they're out fishing. The disciples are fishing and they come back and they don't have a catch. This is literally God's heart on display for you through Jesus. They come back. He says, hey, cast your nets on the other side. We all know the story. They fill up their nets and they're tearing. God's already exceeded the need in what they had. They're tearing and they're having a hard time bringing in all this fish. But not only that, when they finally get to shore, what did Jesus do? He already had a meal prepared for them. Talk about exceed the need. Like, hey, those guys are probably getting tired. When they're weak, I'm gonna be strong. Make them a little fish here. Garlic bread, we'll take care of you. You know, God's, that's God's heart through Jesus on display for you. Not only does he want your nets full, but he'd like to prepare a place for you. Amen? So you just keep looking all throughout scripture and you see that God's heart is not to just meet your need. He could have come and brought salvation and then stopped talking. Okay, you repent of your sins and confess me as Lord and Savior and you're done. And we could have missed out having joy in this life, having healing in this life. We could have missed out on all those. But he's a God who exceeds the need. Not only am I going to make sure your eternal is secured, but I'm also a God who came to give you life and give it to you better. So I'm going to make sure you have access to joy and healing and all. Somebody say amen. So he just exceeds the need and exceeds the need. We saw with the widow woman. Check this out. He's this widow woman. Because they don't have money and because of the situation she's in, she's running out of oil. And because of that and the debts, her sons are about to be taken away into captivity. So she won't see her sons and she's gonna run out and she's gonna die. And instead, she gets the word, just, just give it. And I'll keep pouring out. And the scripture goes on to say that a miracle takes place with the oil. And then it says that she has so much that she began, they tell her to sell it. Take all this excess because I exceeded your need, go sell it. And the scripture says not only was she able to keep her sons, but she had enough, the scripture said, from what she sold to be able to go live on. So put your feet up. When you're obedient to God, he takes care of such a need in your life that she was obedient and she acted, but then after that, she was able to just live off of the miracle in her life. I mean, we all like, oh, we'll hit that Powerball, and you know, if you wanna drop Powerball tickets in the offering plate, that's cool, we'll, we'll take that. A billion dollar, we'll, I'm good with that. 
<laughs> Fred too, he like, he's good with that. But, but what more, what if our obedience was such a way in 2016 that it was said about you, God exceeded a need for you so much that you were able to live off it. I'm not just talking about money. God gave you so much joy and so much forgiveness, so much freedom that you could live off it. After you were able to share it and give it and, and you could just live in that place. God wants to do that in 2016. He wants to exceed your need. I thought about in 2 Kings, there's the story of the leper. Imagine leprosy, right? So you're a healthy person. The scripture talks about this leper is rich. It's a rich leper, and uh, he's got all these people and all these, that works for him, his servant, and he's really well established, and he gets leprosy, and leprosy literally drives you out of your home. Imagine being healthy and having everything put together, but you know that you have to leave your family at some point. Say bye to your kids because you're rotting. I mean, literally, like at one point you had to leave where you were. So he hears word of a prophet that could maybe give him a word about what he should do, and so he packs everybody up, and he travels 120 miles, whether that's by donkey or whatever he did, but at that time, it's a huge thing for him. And when he gets there, he's expecting because of his uh, personality and his profile and who he is, he expects an entourage of like, oh, we'll welcome you, we'll roll out this for you. And here's how we'll hear you. Instead, if you read the scripture, he almost runs into a real grouchy prophet who says this, doesn't even talk to him, tells his servant to tell him to go down to the river and dip seven times. He's expecting fanfare. He's expecting all this. The scripture literally talks about, he tells him, go to the Jordan River and dip seven times, which is another 30 miles, by the way. So I've come all the way here, 120, and now I gotta go another 30 because that guy who didn't even wanna talk to me had his servant tell me to go there. And the Bible says he literally was mad about it. He went mad. He went on his way mad and dipped in the river because there was other rivers. There was cleaner rivers. There was other things, but he had to be obedient to the specific word that God gave him. And so it's okay for you. I'm gonna set some people free. It's okay for you while you're being obedient to God to be a little bit mad along the way. It's okay for you to say, God, where are you in this? I'm, I'm walking obediently, I'm trusting you, but I just got a question today. I'm a little upset about this. You're having me go to, but he kept moving. His feet were in faith. Somebody say, amen. The scripture says we gotta take our thoughts captive. It's okay if you have a thought that might not line up with what your faith feet are saying, but take that thought captive and keep moving towards what God has for you. Amen? So he goes all the way down. He goes all the way down and he gets to the river. And of course, go look up the scripture, but the scripture says he dipped seven times and not only was his leprosy healed, but the scripture says that God restored back to him his skin to a youngness. Not only was like, hey, I'm not just gonna exceed your need, but I'm gonna go and exceed it. I'm not just gonna meet the need. We're gonna go back and prove that I can do more when you're willing to be obedient with me, okay? Here's the best part. He didn't just got healed, he got restored. And I love this. The scripture says that before he left, he packed up two mules worth of the mud from the river. Now, some people would make a doctrine in like selling the mud. Like, oh, the... God is in the mud. We got to get the mud. Let's all pass the mud. All throughout scripture, God would say, hey, build, stack some stones and remember what I did here. Do this and remember what I did here. Remember the anniversary service where we heard a word that God can exceed your need in 2016. 
So when hell breaks loose in June on your life, you can look back at today's date and go, no, I remember the mud of the service and I'm remembering that God said, it's not gonna be a dry year for me. It's gonna be exceed the need year, amen? So he takes the mud, he puts it on the mule, he brings it back to where he was. And, uh, and what's awesome about this scripture is, I'll back up a minute, in the water, he was real celebratory. He comes out and he's shouting, he's dancing. Here's what's awesome. The thing that he hated, he then rejoiced in. I believe in your life, the thing that you once stood in a place of hate about, this year God can turn it and it can be a place that you're rejoicing in. Somebody say amen. What in your finances, what in your marriage, what in your communities, what in your family, what are the things that right now you may stand in a place of hate, but all of a sudden you're gonna come up after seven and you're gonna rejoice in that same place. Amen. So he takes the mud, he goes back, and where he was from, they worship Raymond was their thing. They would worship falsely there. So the scripture says that he takes the mud and he goes back to that temple and he puts the mud on the ground and he makes his own holy place in the middle of false worship. He says, I'm gonna stand on this mud and I'm gonna worship my God. How many of you know that if you hold on to the word of God, the, the move of God, the thing that God did in your life, the mud of God, if you will, you can take that into any situation and worship on it. Somebody say amen. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. You need to bring that mud there and you need to just make a worship decision, amen? God's ground can take over the devil's ground. But much of, most of us, many of us, we spend more energy and more effort believing that it can't instead of using our faith to believe that it can't. We make up more justifications and more reasonings and more things why it won't work than why it will work. And I'm sure he's bringing that mud in there and he's putting it down, he's getting dirty and people are looking at him like, this guy, what is he? Oh, that, that mud is from the river of the Jordan? What is this guy doing? Because sometimes the enemy's gonna make it feel like you're just putting mud on the ground. Are you with me? Do you understand the parallel that I'm saying? Sometimes you're gonna be being obedient to God and no one's cheering you on and no one's standing with you and no one's there for you and you don't feel God and the worship band isn't playing behind you and you just feel like you're putting mud on the ground. Did you guys, oh, we didn't plan that either. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying, in your life, when you're lonely and there's no 31 day devotional right by you to cheer you, and all you just feel like you're just putting mud on the ground and it's not doing anything. It's a, but you have to remember what God did. That's what this service is. We remember what God is doing. We remember what God has done. So as much as we, we care about things being excellent and putting things together, you know, we weren't called to entertain anybody. We weren't called to really even make sure you have fun. We weren't even really, I believe we were called here like every other church is to help people, to heal people. Not by me, not by Maddie, not by Bo, not by anybody, but by God. We were called here to help people and to heal people and to love people. So I had a interesting week because this was a celebration service and and we had all kinds of plans for this. And, and um, 
And so typically for your anniversary service, you do the balloons and you get some cookies, which by the way, we got some cookies for free for you. Um, but you get all that stuff together and you celebrate. And then Wednesday, uh, I get a message from uh, Trish, who's in our church, and uh, her, her little five-year-old grandson uh, was admitted to the hospital with the high blood pressure, which they found out to be uh, a very large mass of cancer. And so, of course, we believe that we're called here to help people and love people and heal people and believe that God still does that. Somebody say amen. So I'm like, okay, our two-year anniversary's coming up and uh, it really doesn't work good to do balloons and cookies and then talk about kids' cancer, right? And so I say, oh, okay, God, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna tell people about it and pray about it. I don't wanna do that because, you know, it's just not what we have going. And obviously God dealt with my heart, you know, and so, and, and I'm just letting you into my head. You know, these are like small first thoughts that I have, you know? And so she tells me about it and she says, oh, okay. We're praying, we're praying, prayer team's praying, we're praying. And obviously, I just right away, God's like, well, I said, well, you know, what if we, on our anniversary service, we get up there and we tell people we're gonna pray for him and what if he doesn't get healed? What if, what if we have this memory of our two-year anniversary where, where we pray and he doesn't get healed? What if that happens? And God said to me, well, what if you don't pray? To anybody here that's like, I don't know, God heal cancer. I don't know if he could. What would you want me to do if it was your kid? What would you want your church to do if it was your kid? You want me to give you a little like, well, you know, sometimes God plucks a flower and takes it to heaven. Or, or would you rather prayer warriors come around the side of the bed and believe that God still heals and that he's alive and that we're just not here to go through the motions? Somebody say amen. And so... And so, and so I was talking with some of the team and, we're, and so I told them, you know, you know, we're gonna pray and we got the prayer team praying. And so I talked to Trish at night and I said, she gave me the report and she said, yeah. Um, and some of this might be a little off in translation, but this is basically the reality. So she says, hey, we're doing these tests on him to figure out what they can do. Uh, but essentially the type of cancer that it is spreads. And uh, if, he, if you score like a 30, uh, you're, you're pretty safe. Probably hasn't really spread much. Uh, and he scored a 300, which means it's... And so at this point, the doctors are saying, you know, almost can't really, on a child like that, you can't really do all the major radiation, all that kind of stuff. It just... So it's almost like, hey, we just got to kind of prepare a place for him to, to pass. And so we're praying. So Trish and the team and the family, we're they're standing in faith and the parents are standing in faith. And it's like, well, they're going to run tests all day the next day. You know, they're going to be sure and they're going to run tests on them all day next year. And she's telling me this and in my mind, in my spirit, I'm already going. They, they, they messed up the paperwork. There's just one extra zero. You know, it's not 300. It's back in that 30. I probably, there's not more cancer, you know. So all day testing, all day testing. And we're moving some stuff around here. She calls and she tells me on the phone the night before. I was thinking the same thing, like, oh, they got it wrong. She tells me, Pastor Josh, I'm telling you, it's going to be wrong. You know, they, they, they're going to get it wrong. And I say, oh, I'm with you. I believe it. Doctors, they must have went to Michigan State. I don't know what they're, you know, Spartan degree. I don't know what they're doing. But 
<clears throat> um, so I'm standing in faith and looking for Michigan doctors out there. And so she calls me the next day. She's like, I'm telling you, like I couldn't make it up. They can't find cancer anywhere else than that one spot. Come on, somebody. Here's what's great. Here's what's great. They say, you know, they say, so they're going to keep running tests and the doctors keep trying to figure it out. So, well, there might be this spot in his leg. We're going to scan that and we're going to find it in his leg. And they scan his leg. I mean, you know, they didn't find anything in his leg. Somebody's saying, is he out of the, is he out of the, is everything perfect? Is he, no, there's, he's got a road ahead of him. He still has a tumor that has cancer. And, and, and uh, Tuesday, is it Tuesday they're kind of set for, for surgery? Is that what it's looking like? That's like a week later, seven days later. It went from like, we should prepare a place for him to, hey, I think we're gonna be able to pull this surgery off and he's gonna be able to, somebody say amen. God wants to exceed the need in your life, not just in a legacy offering for the church, not just for a little promotion or a Christmas bonus at your work. What are the big things that God could do in your life? And not only is he gonna meet the need, but he's gonna restore back to you like the leper things that have been lost and things that have been broken. I didn't come here to blow up balloons and give away cookies. I came here to do what we did when we started the church. And that's to say, hey, devil, hey, enemy, we're gonna do things obediently to scripture. We're gonna lay our lives on the line. Sometimes are we gonna go down to the river a little bit mad? Probably. A little bit frustrated? Well, yeah, I don't want phone calls where I have to try to talk about a five-year-old with cancer. It makes me mad. I go to the river mad. I go to the prayer room mad about that. But you know what? We keep going and we keep walking and we keep walking and we're gonna dip and we're gonna come up not only healed, but also restored. Somebody say amen. Don't, I'm telling you today, I know I jacked up the whole service and whatever, but listen, I want you to leave here. If we were really Pentecostal, we'd like go dig up the snow and take mud home. <laughs> but it's too cold. <laughs> but I, spiritually, I want you to take mud home, like in your mind, in your heart. Uh, take some mud home and know that today, 2016, this service, God gave a word to you that no longer are you gonna come up short, no longer are you gonna just hit here. God wants to exceed your need. These bones will sing, great are you Lord. That's not just like, oh, we feel a little moved because it looks, no, from your inside, God is gonna be so great in your life, you're gonna be able to, your bones will be singing how great God is, amen? But it goes back to the beginning. Are you gonna use your faith for that? Are you gonna use your faith for that? Because that's what pleases God. That's what moves the heart of God. It's impossible to please God without faith. So you take notes, you listen to this on SoundCloud, you remind yourself of it. Why? Because this isn't just a little traditional thing that we go through. We contend for the blessing that God has in our life. We use our faith. You may not see it, but that's what faith is. We just keep walking in it, amen? Once you stand to your feet, I want us to do this, and then we'll get to all the other business of the service after this. But Maddie's gonna get in place, the band's gonna get in place, we're gonna sing this song again. And maybe you grew up in church and you remember like the youth camp moments where you went to youth camp and like you just worshiped and went after it. And, and 
That's what I'm saying. I want like an experience. I want, I want an encounter. I want you to be able to literally leave. When you hear the date January 10, 2016, I want you to think of what God's doing here right now in your life. He can exceed your need in your marriage, in your school, in all of the things. Whatever you feel like is being taken from you, like the leper, my family, my, 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 my health, my, I'm being pushed out of a place because of this thing that's on my life. Know that you're going and you're dipping and he's gonna restore, amen? So I wanna pray that onto our lives, but then like never before, I want you to worship this song out. It's pretty easy to sing to, but some of you, you know, it's just gonna be important for you. Life and death is in the power of the tongue is what the word says, in your words. God framed the world by his words. So when you sing these words out audibly, when you just give it your best, God's doing something in that moment. He's literally doing something. And so let's just sing this out the best that we can and they're gonna lead us in it. But I want us just to, to have a moment with God. This is our Jordan River. This is our, we're taking the mud home, amen. So let me pray and then we'll just, we'll worship this out. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word on our lives. God, I thank you that all of the blessings that we already walk in are just a preview of what heaven is full of for us. God, you're, we live in a way that's according to your riches, not ours, not anything we can comprehend or put together. So God, open our eyes through faith, through our faith, open our eyes to the things that you wanna do in our life things that we have to let go of, things that we have to repent of, things that we have to give forgiveness for, things that we have to give grace to. Broken hearts, God, being healed. All of the, the coldness, all of the bitterness, all of the, the chains that may feel like they could never come off. God, help us to break those, exceed those needs. Lord, in physical bodies, Lord, every sickness and disease that may try to come against anybody in this community, in our church and in our, anybody, God, we say that we believe that healing is for today. God, we believe that your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. So God, we pray healing for every situation, every sickness and infirmity in anybody. Lord, we say that those plans will come to not in Jesus' name. Cancer, depression, Lord, everything that may try to hinder, we say is bound in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. Let's worship.